0: This episode of I'm Horrified is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Go to audibletrial.com/horrified to get your free audiobook and start listening. It's that easy. Right now, I'm listening to Going Clear by Lawrence Wright. Which pairs perfectly with our Scientology segment in episode six. And I'm listening to The Rogue Not Taken by Sarah McLean, a sizzling romance novel for those who enjoyed episode 49. So head to audibletrialcom horrify to start your free trial now. Happy,
1: Happy listening.
0: listening! Baller everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to I'm Horrified. I'm Sam. I'm Allie. And this is I'm Horrified. We're your hosts. And we host I'm Horrified. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> everybody got it? I'd love for at some point. That was rough. We've, um, to have us, like, speak enough into this microphone that some kind of AI neural network can just learn what we say yeah and we can just program it to do the podcast for us and it'll sound exactly like what we just you said. guys would enjoy it just as much <laughs> yeah, it um, won't be different positive it won't be that different i mean it
1: would also source everything from
0: wikipedia without citing anything which and, is all we are doing you know build in pitch as we do <laughs> For my story today, I did more research than I probably did on War of the Roses. Like, I have more independent sources. <laughs> is that right? Because War of the Roses, I mostly used Wikipedia along to, with, To, like, like, refresh your knowledge. Yeah, along with my own knowledge. For this one, it was, like, fact-checking, going from website to website. Um, I really got in deep. Which is surprising, given what your topic <laughs> is. Yeah. So, I'm covering straws. Which I'm nervous about because I feel like I'm gonna have to roast myself after this. But Sam, what are you covering? Today I'm gonna talk about men who are in love with Natalie Portman. Right. And you did a lot of research on this. Yeah, I gotta (laughs) be honest, I was on like four different websites today. Okay, I'm really excited then. I'm excited for science. But first let's... Let's talk about real science and let's roast me because I'm a a bitch who loves a single-use plastic. I love single-use
1: plastics too. (laughs) So we're all going to be honest with each other. We're not going to be holier than thou today. No. I might say some facts and figures, but just know in your heart, like picture me wearing like, Fluffy shorts and a sparkly tank top, mm-hmm. like a clueless style, like sleepwear set. Oh, I love drinking that. a milkshake out of like a twisty straw. Mm-hmm. That's my energy pretty much all the time. Absolutely. So, whenever I start to get high and mighty on you, yeah, just imagine me like.
0: And my energy at Disney World too. At Disney World, yeah, with single
1: use plastics, though Disney
0: World is um getting rid of straws. Wow. So. Um, I'd like you to imagine me as the mom from Arrested Development, um, where she says, how much could a banana possibly cost Michael? Ten dollars? Yeah, exactly. That's my attitude. Agree.
1: (laughs) So, we're just gonna all be kind to each other. Yes. While we collectively destroy the planet. Absolutely. Um, and try to reflect a little and learn even less. (laughs) Should we get started? Absolutely. Okay. So, straws. What's the big idea? That's the title of this. (laughs) My My thesis. My thesis. I was just kind of like, why straws right now? Yeah, that's real. Why is it straws right now? It is. It is. It's a hot button recently. um, And as with every important piece of news facing America and beyond... This podcast is here to cover it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we really are journalists at the end of the day. You single handedly brought back new Coke. I, oh, we have to talk (laughs) about that. We have to talk about that. Uh, I can't believe we didn't talk about this already. Uh, So many of you tweeted at us when I think like Stranger Things announced it or Coke announced it with that Stranger Things ad, but they're bringing back new Coke. As, like, an 80s Stranger Things tie-in.
0: But it's really a tie-in to our podcast. But we fucking did that. Yeah. Uh, As always, we are on the cusp of news. We are on the... Of the culture. Cutting edge. Of memes.
1: Yeah. Uh, you guys are so lucky that you are here. Uh, Honestly. You're... You're blessed. You're blessed. <laughs> and you're welcome. And you're horrified, so let's go. Uh, what about straws? Okay. Um. <laughs> so straws what's the big idea well the big idea is that turtles are suffering and you sam personally are responsible for that
0: i know you you know i I don't know that i don't even
1: want to talk about the turtle thing yet we have to build up to that
0: uh makes me so sad so let's
1: start with something tamer the history of the drinking straw. Ooh, sexy. Ooh, sexy. <clears throat> we only cover sexually charged <laughs> material here, like the history of the straw. <laughs> so around 3000 BCE. Mm, wow, Jesus fuck. I know, it's back there. The Sumerians <laughs> in the historic region of ancient Mesopotamia. We're talking Mesopotamia <clears throat> on this episode? Oh, we're getting Mesopotamic up in here. My God. Uh, Mesopotamic panic. What? Whoa. Does that ring? Kind of, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So they were busy fermenting one of the first iterations of beer. That's cool. Very fun. Proving that Saturdays have always been for the boys. <laughs> um, they would use like long, thin... Tubes. I mean, straws. Straws. They made straws and they used them. (laughs) You know what a straw is. Is what I'm referring to. That's what they invented. But so they would, when you're fermenting something, like, basically stuff builds up at the top Mm -hmm. and then your fermented beverage is at the bottom. So they would use tubes to reach liquid at the bottom of a fermentation vessel to drink their beer. And sometimes they would be, like, lined with gold or, like, turquoise and shit. Ooh. And that sounds awesome, and I want that now. Yeah, me too. Like, a gold straw sounds like something Kanye West would have. Or
0: a turquoise
1: one. Yeah, I want that. Uh, I want one in, like, my birthstone. Yes. Which is an emerald, obviously. Ooh.
0: Anyone who doesn't
1: know that I'm a Taurus is just not paying attention at all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, from from context clues, you should have gotten that she's a Taurus. You really should
1: have gotten that. Um, I wonder if people
0: could guess my sign from context clues. Guys, what's Sam's sign?
1: Tweeted us. Tweeted. Oh, that's fun. Tweeted us what you think Sam sign is. I'm excited for this one. Oh my god. All right. So, as the years waned on from ancient Mesopotamia, other forms of straws popped up, such as the rye grass straw, which were made from segments of rye grass. What is rye grass, you ask? It's like a tubular piece of foliage. Great. It's like a leaf for a. It's, it's grass. It's grass. As the name implies, it's, it's just tubular. it's grass. And so people would drink stuff through it, but I think they kind of drank stuff through it like you drink soda through a Twizzler. Like, it doesn't really work, but the <laughs> idea of it is fun. Yeah. And, you know, it would just kind of disintegrate and get mushy and liquid. In 1888, Marvin C. Stone was drinking a mint julep in his backyard with a ryegrass straw, and he said, this is bullshit. Absolutely. I am ready for the future. So he wrapped a piece of paper around the rye straw and glued the ends together. Together. gather together like <laughs> brave did you rewatch brave again i didn't mean to do that i did rewatch brave if you had to change your straws <laughs> if you, you had sure? to change your straws to paper you should because you it's better should. for the environment um so he created the first modern paper drinking straw wow what i mean modern one like the the sumerians did it first and they did it
0: baller because they put gold in it
1: so let's just be serious
0: sumerians did it first is almost like a historical law i agree they almost always did it first anything that
1: happened happened in mesopotamia before it's happening now yeah i think okay so in the 1930s joseph friedman invented the bendy straw which became widely used in hospitals at first because it gave people like the ability to drink when they were recovering or lying in bed that makes total sense that makes sense um, and that's exactly what I use straws for today, is drinking in bed. Um, so the paper straw is slowly tightening its grip around the zeitgeist. Like, straws are a thing, and they're getting popular. And then, at that time, the wars are ending, and the post-war market gets the introduction of plastic mm-hmm. in general. And after World War Two, everyone's rich, everyone's fucking, everyone is buying Anything they can get their hands on. Yeah. It's a great time. Absolutely. To be alive. For capitalism? Oh, yeah. And white people. (laughs) Yeah. And pretty much no one else. Absolutely. So it's at this point in America, at least, that single-use plastics really start to hit the market with gusto. And there's sort of two ways that plastics become popular. So plastic is invented, I think, at, like, the turn of the century, Mm -hmm. synthetically, meaning they can make it from no natural materials. Yeah. Yeah. In, I think, 1907, and then it hits the market for consumers Mm mid-century. So one thing you can do is take commonly well-made items, like forever use items, like items that you'll use for several years, like children's toys, dishes, jewelry, things that were once made out of metals and other materials you can make items for use very cheaply with plastic.
0: Yeah, like Tupperware.
1: Yeah, and when people are rich and looking to buy a shit ton of poorly made cheap exciting new things, if it's just keeping up with the Joneses mentality, Mm -hmm. you can just churn bullshit out and sell it to moms and they will buy it and that's great. The other way plastics become popular is for convenience in the form of single-use disposable plastics and paper products, such as utensils toothpicks cups and straws Mm -hmm. soon enough the plastic straws are outselling the paper straws because i mean i think we've all used a paper straw because now people are starting to get green yeah um and it's not as fun as using a plastic straw we'll get into why that doesn't really matter later yeah but we all know it it's not as fun
0: it 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 gets really pretty sloopy pretty
1: fast it does i was complaining about that when i put one in a dollop the other day yeah but, I mean, here we are for yeah. a variety
0: of reasons. I think we had to cut both of us complaining about our paper straws out of the podcast last week. Yeah, <laughs> because we were, we were like, this is wrong. <laughs> um, we have a platform. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, we can't be, we can't be, you know, molding young minds in this way. Oh, my God. Um, I remember we got an email from, like, a 14-year-old girl once who was so super sweet. But oh, I was okay. just like, I'm a little concerned that you're listening to us. <laughs> I talk about sex so much on just, this podcast. I mention my vagina too often. But she's got one, too. Yeah. So it's fine. I shouldn't say that. She's a listener,
0: a minor. Um, But... Do whatever you want to do, but do it in an age-appropriate way.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think we covered it. So, basically, soon enough, plastic straws are in every milkshake in America. They're colorful, they're cheap, and they don't disintegrate like paper straws do. They're perfect.
0: Yeah, there could be nothing wrong with that. There could be
1: nothing wrong. So, just to cap off the history of the straw, in the 80s, straws become... You know, they've just been getting more and more popular as there's more and more people consuming them. Mm -hmm. And things like crazy straws and jumbo straws (laughs) make their way into, like, themed restaurants, which were really big in the 80s and 90s. Nice. Particularly, I remember Friendly's being an important provider of fun straws. Like, they had, like, a bendy straw that had, like, a loop-de-loop, but it also changed color when you drank out of it. Oh, yeah, like, Fribbles had that shit. Fribbles. Yeah. Ugh, oh, I'm so sad that Friendly's is out of business. It's out of business? It's mostly out of business. They're all closing. What? Yeah, East Coasters, if you remember Friendly's. What do you mean? Pour Fribble out. Wait, don't say if you remember Friendly's like it never existed. It's what? It's gone. It's dead. I don't know what to tell you. I told you that thing about helium last time and you were like, the helium's gone? And I'm like, where have you been? I
0: can't believe it makes sense we to We need to get this woman a newspaper because the sense... Friendly's are
1: dead. The helium is
0: gone. It seems like all the joy is leaving the world. <laughs> it's all I'm going to say. That's true. We can't have balloons or ice cream anymore.
1: <laughs> I don't want to belabor this anecdote, but at Friendly's, so for any of you who weren't born in the New England or East Coast area, Friendly's was just an eatery with ice cream. With ice cream. Like ice cream Sundays were a big thing there. And you would go in, it would take you approximately 45 minutes, and then like conservatively like Three and a half hours to get your food. Yeah. That was a big portion of the experience of friendlies. Absolutely. Like you would wait a thousand years for friendlies.
0: And the giant Americana murals.
1: Yeah, exactly. Big old black and white photos of like a lacrosse team in eighteen ninety five. Yeah. yeah. Like a carnival. <sighs> yeah. Um, and it was great. And they had a milkshake called the Green Monster and it had little Oreo ears. Yep. It was amazing. Familiar. It was a great thing, and now it's gone forever. Oh my God. Oh, so, I don't know what else to say. I'm a wizened crow. Like straws, in a way. Wow. wow. Let's get back to straws. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> okay, so that, that brings us up. I'm going to put friendlies aside. Maybe we'll talk about it later. That pretty much brings us up to the current moment. The obsession with ease, cheapness, and consumerism introduces straws to pretty much every restaurant in America and many homes for personal use. Even just a few years ago, it would be ridiculous to receive a fountain drink or a beverage of any kind without a straw in it. It's just part of the culture now. Mm -hmm. Now, Sam, I cannot imagine that that kind of consumption had any effect on our environment. Can you? you? I'd like it if it didn't. Why do my actions need consequences? Agreed. (laughs) Good news, it didn't. Podcast over. Wow. Let's talk about Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, um, the important stuff.
0: No, let's talk about how we're fucking up our no, own planet. Our,
1: our planet is dying. Yeah. In reality, the problem isn't so much straws, but just plastic. Yeah. I think we know that. We all know all of this, right? Yeah. The commonplace use of synthetic plastic in all forms began, like I said, in the mid 20th century. Mm-hmm. So now it's 2019. Welcome to the now. Um, and according to 2018 studies, 8.3 billion tons of plastic has been introduced to our environment since oh, then. Oh, yikes. Let's, like, try to think. Like, what's a ton? Like, an elephant's, like, a ton, right? Yeah. So, like, eight point, And then billion... So, like, a ton is something that you can't even imagine. And then, like, a billion is a number that your brain can't even work around. No,
0: yeah, it really can't. Right? Yeah. Like,
1: people say that, right? It's like, your brain can't even do it. Yeah. So, So, I mean, so so let's keep going how much of that plastic do you think is still kicking around because we recycle right no but we're not good
0: at it (laughs) right
1: so almost all of it
0: yeah (laughs)
1: nearly every scrap of plastic we've ever made is still on this earth in some shape or form other than the small portion of it that's been incinerated and that makes me feel great obviously. Uh-huh. So I found a wonderful yet horrifying article on earthday.org with some statistics that I thought would be fun to read off, and then realized it would not be fun at all. And I'll sound like one of those, like, Greenpeace people on the streets who's like, our planet is dying, we have to do something. Yeah. But the thing is, you guys, our planet is dying, right. A. B, we do have to do we something. Do to do something. Yeah. So just, like, here we go. Don't tune out. No. Try to visualize this. I don't want to. So, I You, like, remember to bring your canvas tote bag to Shaw's next time. We're going to keep this in our brains. We're doing it together. Yes. It's like when you all do, like, Zumba together. It's like, none of us look great right now, but we're, you know, we're in it together and it's for a good cause. Absolutely. So, let's start with straws. 500 million plastic straws are used every... Day. Day in Uh, America. Not week, not year. Every day. Oh, no. Just America. Oh, uses no. Uses 500 million straws. I, that didn't even resonate with me Just at America. Fuck. And that could circle the Earth twice. Great. Just Americas. Okay. Like a skinny, horrible belt uh, around the the planet we're murdering. Have you guys seen um, Mother? No, with Jennifer Lawrence. It's so crazy. It seemed dumb. Oh, no, but the end is wild. You wouldn't like it because it it's very scary. Heavy-handed. I fucking love it. <laughs> I don't love it because it's good cinema. I think I just like watched it and I was like, fuck, that's a lot. I love that. Um, anyways, we don't have time for that. Um, eight million metric tons of plastic end up in our oceans every single year. So eight million tons of plastic in our oceans, and there is more microplastic in our ocean than there are stars in the Milky Way. That's a big number. So I can't even talk about microplastic right now, but in a future episode, I will. So stay tuned for that. Spoilers. It's terrible. Oh, no. So that's terrifying. But of the plastic pollution on our planet, straws themselves make up a relatively small portion, like less than 1%. Uh Uh-huh. So why am I picking on straws? Why aren't I talking about plastic bags or forks? Well, basically... I'm talking about all of it, but straws are particularly interesting to me because of the social capital they've been throwing around recently. Hmm. Seattle announced last year that they would become the first state to ban single-use straws and utensils statewide. Starbucks has begun a plan to phase out plastic straws from all of their stores, as has Disney World, as we talked about. Hey. They can do nothing wrong. Just kidding. They place, do sonner. a lot of stuff that's bad, and I know that. Um, <laughs> sure you do. Sure I do. So, Why I want to talk about straws, and I didn't name this episode single-use plastics, is because straws have become like a progressive badge of honor for shady capitalist companies. Mm -hmm. It's like body positivity campaigns for Dove and Aerie. Like, at the end of the day, Dove and Aerie don't care about fat people Mm -hmm. or their fat consumers. They just don't care. Yeah. They recognize that piggybacking on a social trend or movement... Be it anything from, like, environmentalism to Black Lives Matter, like, Nike. Like, Nike isn't more ethical now. Yes, they are making the more ethical choice, Mm -hmm. but that's not indicative of their company ethics. Because, like, a capitalist company will always do what's best for their bottom line. Mm -hmm. And, like, being body positive or running ads with Colin Kaepernick, like, that doesn't make them woke. It makes them business smart because they know it's going to add to their bottom line. Yeah. So don't clap just yet basically is what i'm trying to say and i love airy leggings more than god himself but like (laughs) i do i know that deep down yeah and starbucks banning straws isn't all that different so a lot of environmental activists support straw bans but as more of an environmental like springboard yeah (laughs) they're like that's great and we hope it will make you excited to put in place larger bands on all of the plastic that you use yeah. in your company which is literally tons. Yeah. <laughs> but I think everyone understands it's just a sexy environmental thing at the mm-hmm. moment. Which brings us to the turtle of it all. Oh gosh. And I know we have to talk about him. I know. I mean he lived he's absolutely dead now. Poor guy. So in 2015, a Texas A&M grad student was tagging turtles while doing research in Costa Rica. And she managed to capture a video of a sweet, sweet turtle mm. having a straw removed from his nose. Poor guy. I have seen this video and can confirm that it will shatter any human heart into yeah, a million pieces. Yeah, it's really sad. The turtle is clearly suffering and, like, the turtle version of crying. Like, yeah. he's in so much pain. And you, this is the thing that makes it, like, almost like a commercial for Greenpeace. You don't know what's actually stuck in him at, at the beginning. Uh-huh. And then at the end you realize it's a straw. Yeah. And it's like, humanity did this to him. Humanity is evil. And the head of the PPC was quoted as saying, in a way, the turtle became a poster child. Well, a poster turtle. (laughs) Which he fucking was. He is. And that video has 35 million views. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You probably saw it. I've seen it. If you didn't see it, I mean, maybe go watch it. It's It's really terrible. Don't use straws. If you don't use straws, you don't have to watch it. There you go. There you go. There you go. Um, but, I mean, you have but to look at the innocent eyes of that turtle and know that you are murdering this planet. That's just the way it is. So, to recap, straws are bad and unnecessary, but we knew that.
0: Yeah. Addendum
1: to that, it is important for restaurants to carry paper straws for certain people who need them. Yeah. So don't just be like, fuck straws. Like some people need them and that's been brought to my attention. I didn't really know that. Mm-hmm. But I think restaurants are being good about still stocking paper straws. Yeah. Um I would love to know more about that aspect to things mm-hmm. if anyone has any information. Um but I, so like the overarching horrifying thing about this is that to a cynic or just a realist, straws don't matter and they're just a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Our planet is drowning in plastic. And we need a massive overhaul on the part, not just of individuals, but large-scale companies with massive manufacturing power. Yes. Like, and this is the thing that makes me feel cynical and, like, I'm never going to be able to do anything, so why does it matter? Mm -hmm. It's, like, me using a reusable straw doesn't do shit for the fact that we're drowning in plastic. But here's what does matter. The only way that these large companies are going to make those changes is when they feel the social pressure to do so. Mm-hmm. So the more we embrace removing single-use plastics from our purchases and our lives, mm-hmm. the more they're going to feel that pressure. Yeah. And if you do it, your friends do it, you see it more on social media, it becomes more of a talking point. It becomes more of a pressure point for, you know, government agencies to regulate. Then we can take large, necessary steps forward to undoing the harm that has been done to our worlds. Mostly because of the 80s. Yeah. Like I said about New Coke and Balloon Fest. Wow. This is the fault of the 80s in my opinion. (laughs) As is everything.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: But there you go. I still have a huge problem using single-use plastics. Yeah, me too. I'm not good at bringing tote bags with me everywhere I go. And I am not good about telling people not to give me a straw. Yeah.
0: I enjoy drinking soda out of a straw. Yeah. My big one is water bottles. I buy water bottles. You love a water bottle. I love a big Poland spring and I know that's I and I have like a reusable water bottle and I leave it at home and when I'm home I use it but like I I feel myself being like you know what I could use like an 18 ounce bottle of Fiji. Yep. And I buy it and that's bad and I shouldn't do that. And I think it's less about,
1: I think with, like, with every good habit, it's less about being, like, I'm a dumb bitch because I used a straw. And more about being, like, hey, I remembered my tote bags today. I'm a good bitch. Yes. Like,
0: just, I'm a dumb bitch who cares.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God, ain't that the truth. (laughs) But we're all doing our best. Yeah. Do what you can towards this in in knowing that it is a serious issue. Mm Mm-hmm and that's what we can do. Yeah. Um and then there's some people who can do more. Like if Jeff Bezos is listening, as I know he does.
0: Yeah, he's a big fan.
1: Um stop everything you're yeah. doing. Stop it.
0: And give us one million dollars.
1: Give us each one million dollars. Ooh, each. Why are we only asking for a million dollars? I know that's possible. This is like women are taught to think small. Like, we (laughs) have Jeff Bezos listening to our podcast right now. A huge fan. Hi, Jeff, friend of the podcast. (laughs) And we only ask him for a million of his blood dollars. Yeah, that's true. That's stupid of us. After all the dumb shit I've bought on Amazon, you owe me, Jeff. You owe me this. You owe me this. We should talk about Amazon
0: i use it so much me too oh fuck (laughs) we're we're bad we're bad there is no ethical consumption under capitalism i mean i mean i'm comforted
1: by the idea that no one listening to this thinks we're good people no they
0: they know that we're keeping it real
1: yeah no they get it we're objectively bad yeah individuals but um that doesn't matter let's talk about natalie portman
0: uh
1: who's a great individual to my mind's imagining
0: absolutely
1: Hey, horror honeys. We hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, we hope you'll subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at I'm Horrified Pod. Your support means the world to us.
0: And if you're not enjoying the show, why are you still listening? Maybe you do like the show. Let's talk about Natalie Portman, you guys. Um, you guys know I have niche interests, right? Um, <laughs> Sam, no.
1: Sometimes you will say, like, I'm going to cover this on the podcast, and at the beginning... When we hadn't done these things, I would be like, are you sure that's going to help our numbers? And then they'd be amazing and beloved. And I would be like, you know what you're doing, so I never question it anymore. I never think about what's going to help our numbers, I got to be honest (laughs) with you. Um, I remember, what was one that you said you were like, I'm going to talk about, like, teens on YouTube. And I was like, "Why does that matter? Okay, fine. No, I trust you. We have a trusting relationship. And then it was great. Thank you
0: so much. <laughs> so I'm excited. I only talk about whatever caught my brain that week. And this week it's Natalie Portman. So. Every week. Um, this story has kind of been like developing this week and it really caught my attention for reasons I'll get into. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. Um, you guys know who Natalie Portman is, right? She's a beautiful actress. She's gorgeous. She was Padme in the Star Wars movie. She's Black Swan. She's Jane in the Thor movies. Kind of. She, very smart, very cool. She's like seven degrees. Natalie's rap from SNL. Great SNL sketch. Really popular actress. Um, Started as like a child actress and is now like very cool and an adult. She's in V for Vendetta. V for
1: Vendetta. She's great in V for Vendetta. I think now she's primarily a philanthropist. Yeah, and like an activist. activist. Yeah,
0: she's an activist now. But so... This story started picking up steam because this weird altie musician named Moby wrote himself an autobiography. Um, yeah. If you're into, like, 90s Alti music, you know who that is. He's bald. He's weird. He looks like the dean on Community. That's what I always think he looks like. I don't know if you've ever watched Community, Al. I know both of the men you're talking about. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> so that's... Just imagine him. So in his book, um, he says... Uh, he just, like, tells a story about dating Natalie Portman. So according to him, he was 33 and Natalie was 20.
1: That's a lot.
0: That's a big age difference. And she met him backstage um, at one of his shows in Texas. And then they kind of started seeing each other. And he recounts going to parties in New York with her and then seeing her while she was at Harvard University, which she went to Harvard. So that tells you how smart she is. Um, And he says they, quote, were kissing under the centuries old oak trees at midnight she brought me to her dorm room and we lay next to each other on her small bed after she fell asleep i carefully extracted myself from her arms and took a taxi back to my hotel and he like is basically saying that he's struggling with a lot of anxiety while they're in this relationship and um he says his anxiety wanted one thing for me to be alone nothing triggered my panic attacks more than getting close to a woman i cared about and so he basically's like, I tried to be Natalie's boyfriend. It didn't work out. And she met someone else. So that's like a pretty innocuous passage. Like it's basically saying Natalie Portman was into me, but I was dealing with my own stuff. So it didn't work out. Ships of the night. Fine. You know what I mean? That's fine. That's fine. But then Natalie Portman is like, actually, that's not fine. <laughs> and this is really interesting because she's pretty private about her private life. Like she's never been a person to like be public about any of that stuff. Mm hmm. But she does an interview with Harper's Bazaar, and she says the following statement. Quote, I was surprised to hear that he characterized the very short time I knew him as dating. Because my recollection is a much older man being creepy with me when I had just graduated high school. (sighs) He said I was 20. I definitely wasn't. I was a teenager. I had just turned 18. There was no fact checking from him or his publisher. It almost feels deliberate. That he used this story to sell his book was very disturbing to me. It wasn't the case. There are many factual errors and inventions. I would have liked for him or his publisher to reach out and fact check. Which is just like, shut down. I love that response. I love that response.
1: It's not like, yeah, I mean,
0: that's like, there's some non truth She's like, no, that didn't happen. That's not, I don't understand why he said that. Um, and then he, she kind of like, Harper's is always like, what was the nature of your relationship? And she says, quote, I was a fan and I went to one of his shows when I had just graduated. When we met after the show, he said, let's be friends. He was on tour and I was working, shooting a film. So we only hung out a handful of times before I realized that this was an older man who was interested in me in a way that felt inappropriate. It's just like so radically different from Moby's story. But I'm like not surprised. (laughs) Like Honestly. It totally feels to me very... Very believable that this man saw his relationship with her in a way that was, like, just so far from reality. But he is doubling down on the story, which is the craziest thing. Yikes. So he Instagrammed a picture of the two of them together, like, backstage at a show, which she says she went to a show. So that's, like, not proof of anything. But um, he said, quote, I recently read a gossip piece wherein Natalie Portman said that we'd never dated. It wasn't a gossip piece. It was her inter- being interviewed by Harper's By Bazaar. Harper's Bazaar. It wasn't, like... Sources close to Natalie Portman say she's pissed about... Like, it was her speaking to... Perez Hilton reports. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, like, what a way to start this. Um, This confused me, as we did, in fact, date. And after briefly dating in 1999, we remained friends for years. I like Natalie, and I respect her intelligence and activism. But to be honest, I can't figure out why she would actively misrepresent the truth about our, albeit brief, involvement. The story as laid out in my book, Then It Fell Apart is accurate, with a lot of corroborating photo evidence, etc. Thanks, Moby. Like, so I, f- I don't like a couple things about this statement. Uh, number one, when he's like, there's a gossip story about this, when it was just her giving a statement. Yeah, wrong. Number two, the fact that he plugs the name of his book in the statement. Bad. Um, and number three, he adds this P.S. where he says, P.S., I completely respect Natalie's possible regret in dating me. To be fair, I would probably regret dating me too. But it doesn't alter the actual facts of our brief romantic history. Like, the self-deprecation at the end just really rubs me the wrong way. That
1: gives me big milady vibes. Yeah, right?
0: Yep. Like, I can see why she wants to pretend she didn't date me, but she did. Like, no, she's saying she didn't. I get she- why she'd rather be into a Chad. Yeah. That's how it feels. That's how it feels. Yeah. And again, like, he posted this under a picture of the two of them, like, around this time. Obviously him saying, like, see, we knew each other. And it's like, well, she's saying she knew you. She's just saying she didn't date you.
1: That reminds me of, like, um, in elementary school when you were obligated to give everyone a Valentine. Yeah. And then I would throw all the Valentines away, but keep the Valentine from my crush. Yeah, absolutely. It's a
0: rewriting of history in a yeah, sense. It really is. Which is what Moby did. That's what Moby did. So the craziest thing to me about this story is that this is not even the only time something like this has happened to Natalie Portman. Natalie! Um, specifically, it happened with well-known novelist Jonathan Safran Foyer. Wow. <laughs> so this story is, lit to me, even better than the Moby one. Um, Natalie Portman had been a fan of Foyer's work since he published his first novel, Everything is Illuminated, in 2002. And they started an email correspondence not long afterward, just being like, hey, I love your work. Oh, thanks. I'm familiar with yours as well. Oh, cool. We're both smart. Uh, then he publishes this case against eating meat called Eating Animals, and Natalie Portman is a very famous vegetarian. She might even be vegan. I'm not sure. she is vegan now. But she's, like, very well known for speaking out about this. So she writes an op-ed for the Huffington Post about the book and how it convinced her to become vegan. She's vegan because it says it in this, uh, thing I wrote. We got there. (laughs) So, so she, like, writes this story saying... Read this book. It's very good. Made me become vegan. And then she also signs on to produce a documentary based on the book because, like, she loves the book so much. So what that reads like to me is two people who are fans of each other's work who are collaborating, right? Yeah. Great. Um, Jonathan Safran Foyer is pretty sure that he and Natalie Portman have fallen deeply in love. Yikes. He's uh, so sure, in fact, that he tells his wife, acclaimed novelist Nicole Krauss, That he is in love with a beautiful, intellectual movie star. And he divorces her. That's a bold move. And then he goes to Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman, I imagine he says. (laughs) "Um, I have left my wife. We can finally be together. And Natalie Portman goes, what? (laughs) And Jonathan Safran Foer says, my wife was the only thing keeping us apart, right? And Natalie Portman is like, I am not interested in you that way. And also, I am married to a handsome French ballet dancer. And also, again, I am not interested in you. And now, the documentary that was supposed to be based on his book never happened. (laughs) Because she was like, you can't be this way, man. Yeah, I can only assume she was like, I'd like to never speak to this man again. If he's going to leave his wife without even checking with me, that I'm also in love with him. Oh, boy. It's just, like, poor Natalie Portman. Like, it seems like these kind of, like, pseudo-intellectual guys really think she's in love with them. I mean she she is the manic pixie dream girl. yeah. she is right?
1: Yeah, in Garden State. yeah. she's I mean, that's what the original term was based off. Of. I think you're like right. she I don't remember who coined it, but I know they coined it off of Garden State. yeah. um and that is like a classic trope for men getting way too involved mm-hmm. emotionally in a one-sided way because they're projecting all of their weird insecurities onto an ethereal brunette woman. Yeah. A la 500 Days of Summer. Absolutely. Which is a good movie that is watched incorrectly
0: by men. Yeah. We should talk about that. We should. But that's very similar, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, I think that's totally true. Um, and what, what I'm thinking about when I read all of this is, um, this speech that Natalie Portman gave at the Women's March in 2018, Um, where she talked about kind of like her life in the public eye as a woman. And she talks about kind of what happened to her after her first movie role when she was 13. She was in a movie called The Professional. Uh, she was 13. Uh, and she said, quote, I excitedly opened my first fan mail to read a rape fantasy that man had written me. A countdown was started on my local radio station to my 18th birthday, euphemistically the date I would be legal to sleep with. Movie reviewers talked about my budding breasts in reviews. Ew. I understood very quickly, even as a 13-year-old, if I were to express myself sexually, that I would feel unsafe and that men would feel entitled to discuss and objectify my body to my great discomfort. So I quickly adjusted my behavior. I rejected any role that even had a kissing scene and talked about that choice deliberately in interviews. I emphasized how bookish I was and how serious I was, and I cultivated an elegant way of dressing. I built a reputation for basically being prudish, conservative, nerdy, serious, in an attempt to feel that my body was safe and my voice would be listened to. At 13 years old, the message from our culture was clear to me. I felt the need to cover my body and inhibit my expression and my work in order to send my own message into the world, that I am someone worthy of safety and respect." So oh, like God,
1: that's so powerful
0: it's so powerful but it also breaks my heart that dudes are still projecting their fantasies onto her in this way when like she has been so aware for so long that she has to modify her behavior to avoid it you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I think that's why this story has really stuck with me because I remembered this statement and like that really stuck with me so that I was when I was hearing like God she did she did everything that girls are told they're supposed to do right she like, was always dresses conservatively, doesn't put herself out there romantically, like, acts really prudish, like, all this stuff that you're supposed to do to avoid guys getting the wrong idea, and guys are still getting the wrong idea.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also interesting to examine it from a professional perspective of both Moby and the other guy, the novelist, like, she was interested in their work. Yeah. And she maybe wanted to, I don't know about Moby, but she was like, I want to collaborate with you on this. Yeah. And I think that's something that people don't really realize inhibits women in their fields. Yeah. Because you can't just go over and have, like, a creative jam session with a captive industry because you're afraid they're going to rape you. Yeah. Like, I remember once in college, like, I met a guy on the train and he was really nice and super funny and I was like oh my god like I want to hang out with you where you're really cool maybe, maybe I want to date you I'm not sure and he texted me like do you want to come over and like play video games and I was like no because I think you're gonna rape me yeah I don't want to <laughs> like, be alone in your house with yeah you. like I don't know like I think you're gonna abuse me and so I don't want to take any risk like that and mm-hmm. so I could see her now like she could have made something really cool yeah with this guy's work they could have done a collaboration but instead of it being about him valuing her, for her talent and knowledge it's about him being like oh but you speaking to me even means we're in love and it's like no and like you know every single movie in which a man and a woman collaborate on anything they fall in love so i mean i don't understand why anyone would think any differently yeah
0: it's the music and lyrics problem agreed
1: (laughs) (laughs) is what i'm gonna call it. i agree yeah
0: you're right How good would that movie have been if they had just become collaborators? I love music and lyrics. I know. Pop Goes My Heart, it's a fucking jam. Oh, it's so good. Um, Drew Barrymore, I've had a lot of people say to me, like, I don't like
1: Drew Barrymore. I find her annoying. They're wrong. I don't understand that. I love her. She's precious. Have you seen the Santa Clarita
0: Diet? She's a gift. (laughs) She's so good. Let's get back to Natalie Portman. Um, Yeah, I think that's totally true. Um, At my work recently, we had, like, a sexual harassment training. Um, And I work in fundraising and a lot of people who are frontline fundraisers have to go on like donor visits. So they like go to a donor's house and sit down with them. And donors are often like older dudes and gift officers who are going to people's houses are also often like younger women. So, I mean, there's that. Let's just all be honest. So they were talking about like what to do if, you know, you're feeling like a donor is being inappropriate to you, which is something that happens all over the world, let alone in this industry. And one of the women in the audience raised her hand because, like, the answer was, like, report it to your manager and they'll, like, be taken out of your portfolio and you will never have to deal with them again. But this woman in the audience raised her hand and she was, like, the thing that I think we don't think about is, like, okay, I report this guy for being weird. We take him out of my portfolio. Maybe we put a note on his account that says never assign him to a woman. Now he's only getting assigned to men, but he's a huge donor to the institution, So the men are the ones raking in all of his money. So they're getting promotions because they can work with this guy who's a great donor. And no woman ever gets the opportunity to work with him because he is a fucking creep. And does they don't want the opportunity, but it's just like another way that men are able to grow in an industry and women aren't. It's so true. Right? And I had never like I had like it's one of those things you know but you don't think about it. No, that way. I wouldn't have put it together that way. Right? At all. Exactly. But I was like, Oh my god, you're totally right. When we just say like, oh, never assign this dude to a lady because he's a fucking creep. Like, that's just another way we're enabling men to get ahead because he then he only deals with men and all of his stuff is credited to men. Yeah. And that's not, like, necessarily the dude who's in charge of him's fault, but it's just, like, the way the system is fucked up.
1: It's just, it's just part of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very true. But that's just more on that, like, it's hard for women to collaborate with men sometimes in that way, in a work environment. Yeah,
1: and even if it's not her fault, she still bears the burden of it. Yeah. Because people are always like, well, it has to be an even playing field. Like, why are we giving women a leg up? And it's like, well we're a not really giving women a leg up but yeah. when we rarely do it's because there's like that shit no man's ever gonna think about that yeah and so that's like a kick in the shins mm-hmm. to a woman trying to about like advance her career and then when there's like a woman's empowerment program at work everyone's like rip shit yeah you know what i mean but it's like well all this all this stuff is working under the surface against you yeah double triple quadruple for women of color and trans women etc etc absolutely so it's like so fucking frustrating yeah
0: that's such bullshit and if that can happen to like natalie portman who is super rich who is well known and well regarded who has cultivated this bookish attitude right like what are the rest of us supposed to do yeah you know what i mean yeah it's true I mean, the only thing that I love about this story is, again, when Natalie Portman said to famous novelist Jonathan Safran Foyer, like, I'm married to a hot ballet dancer. I have just no interest in you. Gotta um, use that line sometimes. Which, I mean, I, do, I don't know that that was a direct a direct quote. I do. But it feels like that would have been the energy of what she was saying. Yeah. Or like a kind but condescending, like, no. Yeah,
1: exactly. No. But that's how women get murdered. That's true. Yeah. It's like when you're like, uh-huh, like, as if I date you... And then they come back and they kill you. Yeah, they have a gun. Yeah. Uh, or maybe um if they're feeling zesty, like, everyone in a mall or something. Yeah, that's fun. You know. Sorority house. Wow. Great.
0: <laughs> have other men done this to Natalie Portman? Um, Not that I found upon a quick Google, but again, like, she's been dealing with, like, count on clocks to her being 18, like, Uh, fucked up shit, which also made me think about, like, that happened to Britney Spears, like, there was a uh count on clock to when she would turn 18, and I was like, yeah, because that's the only thing fucking, keeping her from fucking you. Yeah. Is that she's 17, and as soon as it hits, wow, you're just gonna be in the money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ew.
1: Yeah, I think she's, she falls in the echelon of women who men are creepily obsessed with. Yeah. I think the Star Wars thing's got something to do with it. Absolutely, gotta say that. Totally. But like Zoe Deschanel's in that category. Yeah. Who else is in that category? Um,
0: I think Emma Stone was for a while. A little bit. A little um, bit after like Superbad, that kind of thing. She mm-hmm. was like that genre's. That. Yep. Um, who else are is...
1: We don't need to make a list. It's just like there's this weird tinge of yeah. Um, incel lust after her. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. And that adds a creepy kind of overtone to all of it. Mm -hmm.
0: The poor thing. Yeah. And now I'm also thinking about um, Emma Watson, um, who grew up doing, like, the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of similar stuff happened to her. And interestingly, like, Daniel Radcliffe, I remember, made a statement once because he was, like, naked on stage in Equus or something. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, how does it feel, like, being sexualized now? And he was like, it's fine because it's been happening to Emma since she was, you know, 14. So I'm an adult. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's the larger problem. <laughs> he was like, I, you know, it's it's been very different for the two of us watching it happen to my friend who was 14. Uh, it's it's different being a man growing yeah. up, young, being an adult man. It's wild that you guys think it's wild for me to be naked when people have wanted Emma to be naked forever. Yeah, and U- I loved that upsetting that was his even. answer. Yeah, yeah
1: that would agree. Oh, I love him. I love Daniel Radcliffe. God, if
0: anything bad ever came out about Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, that would hurt. That one would hurt. To that exit, one. To exit him out of my life. I would. Tom but... Hanks would be a hard one. I wouldn't be shocked. He's old. Really? All all, all, all men. This Anyone is, old. All men over like 40, I'm worried they have shit in their closet. True. You know what I mean? Because you just weren't thinking about it. Because you weren't thinking about it. So in a way, it's like, I know you didn't do it maliciously. Yeah, but you but still. But like, God, I wish this had always, treating all human beings with kindness had always been it's true. the baseline. True. It, it just wasn't.
1: You're right. We're ageist. I don't think anyone over 35 should vote. <laughs> there you go. That's that. Love that. That's not true. <laughs> but like 60, yeah.
0: Yeah? No. think you should vote i don't think here's something unpopular i think both bernie and joe biden and trump i think all three of them too old to be president agreed way too old to be president i think so my mom always said that about presidential candidates she'd just be like they're so old and i'd be like but they're all old they're always old And she's like i disagree yeah It was like, I, it's like, I don't need, like, Obama was on the young side and, like, I loved Obama, but, like, I'm not saying I need all presidents to be 40, but, like. Why? No, but I think I do. But they're, like, 80 or something crazy. Like, what the, 70 or 80? Why do you want to lead the country? All of your thoughts are, like, 20 years before. Yeah. In my opinion. You should have been the president of the
1: 90s. This is getting pretty ageist, (laughs) but, I mean, is that even a bad thing? Is that a
0: thing anymore still? Ageism? Yes. Only when we're hiring people, right? Yeah. But we'd hire someone to be president, I guess. So maybe we are ageist. I don't know. I don't know either. This is a gray area. We did a lot of good, maybe, and then we <laughs>
1: just fucked it up. I mean, what good did we do?
0: That's every episode of this podcast. We're it's supporting
1: like... Natalie Portman.
0: Ab- I would like Natalie Portman to be president. I would like that. <laughs> she's from Israel, so I don't think I don't she can think she be. Can. But... Yeah, I, she. I do think she was born in Israel. So, well,
1: I mean, I wish her well. I think she's probably doing okay, but I think it's just. I think you bring up a really good point mm-hmm. of the insidious ways
0: that sexual objectification can unravel certain parts of a woman's life. Yes. But uh, I would just like to give just a brief props to Natalie for calling Moby out. Very I love publicly, that. Um, and for just shutting down Jonathan saffron Just shout out to you. And for Natalie's rap. Uh, I'll, I'll always owe you something for that, Natalie. Say something fucking nice about Jar Jar Binks. <laughs>
1: What a great. I think that's Natalie Rap 2. That is
0: Natalie's Rap 2, but they're both treasures. Which isn't
1: as good, but it's it's
0: still good. Uh, Natalie's Rap 2 is more self-aware, which is almost better. <laughs> like the fact that she says say something nice about Charger Banks is just great. Yeah, honestly. I think if anything,
1: everyone should leave this anecdote empowered to give some man in your life a confident no thank you. Yeah. Yeah. If you feel safe enough to do so. Yeah. And I hope you do. I hope so. Yeah. Call us, we'll do it. Yeah, Allie's great about that. I'm good at politely but firmly telling
0: people to leave me alone. Yeah. yeah. That's not a strength of mine, but you're inspiring to me in that way. You Thank really you. are. That's like when so I have sweet. to when I have to be speak confidently, I really do like have like a WWAD moment. Oh, that's like, what sweet. would Allie do?
1: I think that I'm that way because I heard my mother on the phone <laughs> with our car insurance a lot as a child. Yeah. Being like, I'm not going to pay that. So why don't you tell me what my new rate's going to be? And that was like a very, like, I have very vivid memories of her, like, being on the phone, just very upset, but, like, polite. But firm. But very firm. Yeah. It was a gift. Thank you, Mom. Thank
0: you, Suze. <laughs> it was a
1: big gift. Um, but, yeah. Channel Natalie. She's doing it. She's doing it. She's out there doing the work. Good for her. Good for her. I guess we should all be vegan, too. That'd be good for the planet, right? That's hard for me. It's really hard. And I mean, I think I'm trying to do more plant-based meals. Like, you
0: don't need to have chicken every night. No. Trying to remember that. But I will say, like, sometimes vegans, um, like, take it too far. Like, you can eat honey. Like, honey's not. Yeah, you can eat honey. You, you know I think what that's I mean? A thing. Like stuff like that. It's like, well, you can do that. And it's like being vegan is better for the planet.
1: Yeah. So I, I, we don't have time for this. <laughs> We do not have time for
0: this. I wish we did. I wish we could solve global warming I will say, though, that,
1: like, your favorite meal is, like, pasta with tomato sauce. That's vegan. There you go. You can have that. I put cheese on it a lot. You do. And you prefer it that way. And I would rather it had cheese. Yeah, that's true. If
0: it doesn't have cheese, I'm just going to put more salt on it. That's worse for me. (laughs) That is true. You love salt. Is salt vegan?
1: Is butter a carb? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think that's a rock,
0: technically. I think so. We sound so
1: (laughs) cripplingly stupid right now.
0: Um, I assumed salt was vegan, but then I was just like, I guess I don't know it for a fact. One of the most infuriating
1: things in our early knowing each other when we were, like, getting used to each other's quirks is that you would salt food before you would taste it. Because
0: I knew it didn't have enough salt. It really
1: always bothered me. And it wasn't the kind of thing that bothered me enough to say something because it wasn't doing anything to (laughs) me. Becky said something. (laughs) yeah, no, she did tell you, but I just remembered you would just, like, get a chicken nugget and salt it, and I'd be like, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. One of our, It could be too
0: salty. One of our good friends, uh, Lily, um, always said that she was a little psychic, which I believe. She's a mystical person. She's from Southern California. Yeah, so. and so one time she said to me, um, she was like, Sam, I just got this vibe, like, watch your salt intake when you're in your 30s just like be aware of it oh lily and i was like what are you my doctor anyone could have told me that (laughs) like that's not psychic that's just recognizing that i have a problem any man
1: off the street could tell me that (laughs) also lily ate a burrito out of the garbage once so (laughs) we love you lily yeah we love you that's like what if god was one of us (laughs) that's her all right oh all right i'm tapped out yeah me too All right, so. Take a breath, watch the Star Wars prequels. Watch your salt intake. Yeah. (laughs) And stay horrified. Stay horrified.